and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the wonderful geeky things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, S.M. Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hi. So, it when you're listening to this, it will most likely be, uh, what do we call them, the Days of Awe? The days of awe. The days That's of awe. The A W E, not A W. Yes, the UJ, UJA Federation is making them into the ten days of awesome and doing all sorts of uh, charity initiatives, which are oh, cool. So that's cute. Cool. Well, uh, because of that, um, this is, you know, typically the time in between the Jewish holiday, the Jewish New Year of Rosh Hashanah and the uh, Day of Atonement, which is Yom Kippur. And we decided to talk about redemption arcs, because that's what this time of year is really all about. You know, no, it's it's like more about like asking for forgiveness. Right. We we kind of translate pursuing redemption in a personal way. And well, atonement is another word for redemption, right? right? Uh, actually, that's a difference. I, I want a, a distinction I want to parse later on in the episode. I, I have a, a little bit of a rant about that. Oh, um, well, they have different connotations, but they're describing the same basic idea. Yes, similar, but different aspects, I think. Anyway, that's what we're going to be talking about today. But first, as always, our current obsessions. So I feel like we need, we need like some music for our current obsessions at this point. Like we need... A soundbite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michal, why don't you go for this first this time? You never go first. Okay, okay, I will go first. Uh, my current obsession is a little thing that's going on on Twitter, uh, which is a hashtag called um, oh. hashtag SW is for girls too, uh, which is refers to Star Wars is for girls too, and I was uh, very graciously invited to be part of the kind of group of people powering this hashtag, and I'm really happy to be a part of it because it's, um, you know, promoting gender equality in Star Wars and kind of making the voices of female fans known, and it's also kind of a reaction to, you know, the the, the idea that um, not only that Star Wars is for boys, because I think people have, have been grappling with that for a while, but in my opinion, it's it's grappling with the idea that, like, those assumptions that we make in any genre where like this is for boys or this is for girls you know and we're we're kind of you know hopefully Mm -hmm. tackling that and and making making it clear that like you know it's not star wars isn't just for girls but it's for girls too as much as it is for boys and i i really enjoyed it whoa uh, I really enjoyed being a part of it, and uh, Mark Hamill actually uh, used our hashtag. Yeah, and I think he pinned it uh, on his on his twit on his Twitter feed. So that's really exciting, and you know, it's also been interesting, like to see people's conversations. Some people aren't so happy with it because they don't think it's you know inclusive enough, and and uh, in terms of like women of color and LG- LGBT fans, but it's all very interesting conversations that are sparked um except for i mean you one can't <laughs> you can't spread the conversation like you can't just it's start it to include everyone so. right i i do think that people uh tend to get a little holy when there are like progressive hashtags out there that it's like well there's this one thing wrong with it and it's like okay but that's part of the Let's conversation and also we can't uh. have it be like star wars is for every single person out there in the world because you know, we, we wouldn't have any other... It doesn't make tweet. a point that's, like, all lives matter. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, I think it's really it's really fun, and um, I've been a little bit like intermittently involved, obviously because of the holidays. Uh, but it's been going well so far, and it's introduced me to a great group of awesome Star Wars people, and I'm really happy about it. Yay. So yeah, uh, let's see, Tamar, how about you? What's your uh, obsession? I've been kind of tweeting about this on and off. Um, so I think I spoke about the first season of this show already. So, And I think I may have spoken about the second one, but I honestly don't remember anymore, and I just love it so much. So every time we re-record an episode, I'm like, don't do a Korean-oriented obsession. But I have to this time because I stayed up until 3 a.m. watching it last night. Um, and I had to wake up at 5 a.m. today, which did not happen. So um, I've been watching the Korean TV show called Age of Youth, or on Netflix it's known as Hello My 20s. I don't know why they changed that. I think Age of Youth is a little bit catchier than Hello My 20s, which sounds really dumb to me, but whatever. Netflix hit me up for titles. Um, it's about a few roommates who live together and the stories uh, around them. This season's a lot more romance-focused than the other ones, but it's also about like their friendships. And this season's dealing with like one of them spoilers if you're interested in watching one of them got kidnapped by her ex-boyfriend at the end of last season and this season's grappling with her a year later and how she's dealing with it she used to be a huge flirt and now she can't talk to she can't walk around her neighborhood by herself um they have all these like they're a lot of them are romantically focused but like one of them finds out that her best friend's been in love with her for 10 years and now she has to deal with that and like she's straight but now she found out after her friend denied it for years that she's not and like that's a side plot which is never I've never seen that in Korean TV shows before like they're dealing with like post-traumatic stress and LGBTQ like relationships and they're just dealing with all these really cool things in the packaging of girls being friends with each other like there's no girl hatred going on which is just like so refreshing and it's so nice and like at the end of every episode or so like all the roommates just get together and are just like having a silly conversation about stupid things and it's usually used as like a plot point but at the same time like it's just like showing girls being girls and having fun and in 2017 when a lot of things aren't super fun lately and like every conversation I seem to have ends up talking about politics lately or something that else will make my blood rage just watching this show where like they're ignoring the whole political situation throughout the world just because like it's not supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be about the people. And, like, there's... It's just so nice. <laughs> I just really like it. Yeah, I think so. the market for... Um, not quite escapist, but, like, positive storytelling is, is definitely growing now. And, SM, how about you? Well, speaking of feel-good TV, um, my obsession um, is a show that I am re-watching that I can't believe, like everybody doesn't know and doesn't watch um it's called drop dead diva i wonder if i've brought it up on this show before um but i don't know but um it is it's on netflix and it's about six seasons the premise is that in the pilot episode the main character deb is an aspiring model and she is blonde and skinny and gorgeous and shallow and she dies in a tragic car accident and goes to heaven and then she's not happy with the situation and so she reaches over and she 
presses the return button on the computer, which is a thing that is on the computer keyboard. And then she returns to Earth, but she returns in the body of someone who had just died at that same time. Turns out to be a plus-sized lawyer named Jane Bingham. And so she becomes Jane, and she has to uh, assume Jane's life and Jane's lawyerly duties. And then it becomes this whole courtroom drama in addition to a whole, you know, existential uh, redemption story for her initial character who was, you know, a shallow blonde bimbo. And she's learning a lot about, you know, about caring about other people and about fighting for justice and all sorts of things. And it's just... There are there are many many women characters in this in the show and like every episode passes the Bechdel test easily. Um, there's there's Jane and there's there's Jane and her best her uh, and and Deb's former best friend whatever. There are a lot of different female characters like including uh, Jane's assistant and her best friend and um, another lawyer at the firm and they all interact and they all talk about their cases and they don't constantly obsess over men and boys, you know, although there is definitely romance going on, it's a big part of it, but um, it's just this fantastic lawyer show with this ridiculous twist that actually works, and it's just really fun and really clever, and the cases are, I mean, the early cases that I was rewatching, I was like, wow, I forgot all of this stuff and how many twists and turns there are. And like, you know, all this stuff that you didn't see coming and it just makes it more satisfying in the end when they figure it out. Um, and it just, it really got me started, I think, on a, on a courtroom show binge. I'm not sure what I watched after this, but then I was like, I just really like procedurals now. And I just went into a whole bunch of things. And now I'm rewatching this because it had been a while and, um, re-enjoying all of the things that I enjoyed about it the first time and I know that it's going to go downhill because I remember that like I didn't like the last two and a half seasons as much but I'm enjoying it while it lasts and um, one of my favorite characters just got recently introduced and I'm enjoying him while he while he lasts before they, you know, kind of, I don't know, they didn't assassinate his character, but they just, you know, they change characters in order to, you know, suit plot purposes and whatever. So um, the first, like, four and a half seasons are great, and I highly recommend this show. And if you're just looking for something, you know, fun and light and silly, but optimistic because they almost always win every court case, it's just a really enjoyable show and I watch it sometimes with my mom and sometimes with my baby brother it's great awesome yeah I think two of my favorite writers um Jed Whedon and Marissa Tantron were actually on that show for the first season Um, oh cool yeah Um, I think like the legal stuff is also apparently pretty sharp for a for a tv show because they have a, a one of their producers is a former lawyer so Oh, yeah, nice. that's cool stuff. Is Sean Mayer in it? I don't know why. I, for some reason, I'm connecting. Him. Um, not as a regular. He may have shown up at some point mm-hmm. as like. I think he may have. He may have been um, a, 
a grieving husband at one point in a case. Ah, cool. Yeah. They have a lot of fun guest stars, yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Rosie O'Donnell plays my favorite judge. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, oh, she's fabulous. I love it. Um, yeah, no, they have a lot of fun guest stars, and you'll be like, oh, I know that person, I know that person. You'll be trying to place them all, you know, but um, but they, they don't go for stunt casting just because, you know, they, they pick people who are really good for the parts, I think. So, yeah. I recommend it, and I I think it's extremely underrated and that more people should know about it. Cool. Awesome. So now we are going to move on to our main subject, which, as we said, was atonement slash redemption slash some muddle in between. Uh, but I first am, uh, my, my co-hosts have very graciously allowed me to um, embark on a rant that I have been, like, kind of storing inside for a very long time, <laughs> which is um, that we actually, we do use the wrong terminology, in my opinion, uh, for Redemption Arc. We, I mean, it's called a Redemption Arc, in my opinion. Pretty much everybody calls it that, that idea that somebody, you know, was bad and becomes good. We'll go, we'll go more, I think, into details later. Uh, but it's a passive term, <laughs> you know, like, the way the way people talk about characters like is that character going to be redeemed and it's like well i mean no within the context of a story you have to put like the onus is on the character there's there's this this weird idea that like particularly male characters kind of get to have stuff happen to them that draw them back to the good side and i think that's nonsense like you need a lot of hard work you need you need actual atonement and i was actually i remember thinking about this like I think, in Shul, last Yom Kippur. Because, <laughs> you know, I was, like, reading up on, like, the, the Jewish stages of atonement are, like, are, like, acceptance that you, you did the bad thing. You have to ask forgiveness. And then you have to, like, vow not to do that bad thing again. And that's a very active process. And it's a very psychological process. Uh, and I found that not, not always, because there are exceptions, but a lot of the characters who I... Uh, I, I'm attracted to their quote-unquote redemption arcs follow the path of atonement and characters that I hope will go through a redemption arc. I, I'm hoping for a process of atonement rather than, you know, just straight up like, ah, something happens to you. You realize that you were wrong and you go and do the good stuff now um, and everybody accepts you and blah, blah, blah. That's my rant in a little nutshell. Um, but to, to uh, I guess... Moving off of that, how do you guys define redemption arcs, and and do you think that they should that we should talk about them more in the context of atonement? Well, I I don't know. I kind of take issue with you know redemption necessarily being a. I mean, like a redemption arc, you can see you know, and and will so and so be redeemed? But like I always, I don't know. Maybe I just you know happen to have you know have seen or you know participated in discussions where it's not like will so and so be redeemed, but like will so-and-so redeem themselves, you know? And, like, that's that's the kind of terminology that I'm used to people using, and it's it's a much more active, you know, way of looking at it, and I never really thought of it as a passive thing because it's always been in those terms for me. Um, and, like, yeah, obviously nobody is going to be redeemed through things happening to them. It has to be, you know, what will this person do in order to redeem themselves and show that they are a changed person. Um, yeah, it always 
to me was always obvious that it has to be active. It can't just be like, I don't know, bad things happen to them, you know, and so we forgive them because, you know, they've been punished enough, you know, it's not like, even when bad things happen, they still have to understand, you know, what, what they did before was wrong and take steps to improve on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tamar, how do you feel about that? Um, I feel like you guys have pretty much said already what I was thinking. Like, when everyone talks about redemption, a lot of the times it just feels like they are like, oh, I did something good now that makes up for all my bad. I know we're going to talk about it late, a little bit later, but when, I don't remember who suggested probably Michal because of Star Wars suggests that Darth Vader is a redemption arc. No, no, no. I don't no, really... I actually, I know. No. That was Twitter. <laughs> no, someone like, said it in our chat. Somebody okay, said, whatever. No, somebody, somebody said it. somewhere yeah. said Darth Vader is a redemption. Random person told us, who shall not be named because I'm about to shame them, um, that Darth Vader is a redemption arc, and I totally disagree with that. Darth Vader did something good. That... Michal did say Darth Vader in our chat. I'm no, no, I, sa- I, I said it. I said it. I said it because I saw somebody tweeting at us. I do not think that Darth Vader underwent a redemption arc, although I understand why you thought that I did say that, but I did, I did not mean uh, that. Uh, okay. Darth Vader <laughs> is not redeemed. I don't care what George Lucas says. He's not okay. redeemed. Anyway, let me get back to finishing my sentence. Um, pretty much, I think that when people talk about redemption arcs a lot of the time, they confuse redemption arcs with somebody who was once evil doing something good and sometimes people are like it's a redemption arc even if they're getting something from themselves out of it like han solo never went through redemption arc i don't know why i'm going through all the star wars stuff like he did things that were good but he never made up for being a smuggler like he never returned his money or anything which i think like I want to jump into the main conversation to mention Dr. Okay, Who. okay, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, I don't really uh, have any thoughts on it, except that people, when, when I pitched it, I was the one who suggested the, the, the topic for this week, even though I think a few of us. No, I suggested have... the topic for this week. <laughs> okay, SM, you suggested the topic for this week. Anyway, <laughs> when I was thinking of atonement, I feel like the only real atonement that we talk about in, like, media is, like, the movie Atonement, which she doesn't actually atone for. Um, yeah, no, there's no atonement in that book. I, yeah. I, I, was, I read the book, and I was like, this sucks. There's no atonement. Um, so I think that, like, often when we talk about redemption arcs, it's not atonement arcs, which is, I think, what people would ideally want to see from a redemption arc. But then there are... Um, so it's kind of a fallacy that redemption and atonement are the same, because atonement really means, like, you're going out of way and you're you're rectifying your mistake to some degree. And I feel like that's not typically what Hollywood describes as a redemption arc. A redemption arc is usually someone getting better for their their own heart to feel good. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, well, I feel like that's just, you know, a misuse of redemption, you know? Like, it. I'm not I'm not denying that's how, how people use it, but I feel like, you know, that's that's just incomplete redemption, you know? Well, so what do you guys think is so appealing about redemption? Because obviously, I mean, it, it's it's bordering on a trope now. You know, I mean, I, maybe growth it is and just change, growth and change is the most satisfying thing to watch a character go through. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, I mean, unless you really hate them and you just want to see them get blown up, that's also <laughs> satisfying. How about you, Tamar? 
Um, I think that people want to believe that people are good. So when someone bad in a series or medium or any artistic medium does something that makes them end up looking good, it gives people, the viewers or readers or just audience in general, something to hope for. Like, even if I do something really bad in the end of the day is I could do something that's good to kind of wipe it away, which isn't so crazy when you consider that, like, in the prayers for Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, like, a big thing is, like, that you have to, like repent like think about it through like prayers and you have to give like charity um what is it tefillah tzedakah and like you have to like you have to like regret it and like consider it so i think that like a lot of people want to be able to think that there is hope i guess after you do something really bad yeah that's interesting i mean i i kind of i don't know i feel like it might I, I think it's all going to depend on, on redemption stories that we've all been exposed to, obviously. But I, I almost think it's a little bit more shallow in the in the reason it appeals to us. Although I think that those things that you guys said are definitely true and, and accurate. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like people like being surprised slash like their emotions toyed with. Like, I mean, the, the example for me that comes to mind is Jamie Lannister, who, if you read the first you know, two books of A Song of Ice and Fire you probably hate and think he's the worst. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you read the third not one... not as bad as Joffrey. No, not as bad as Joffrey, but that's that's <laughs> a, that's rarefied air up there. Wow, down that's there. like, that's literally <laughs> like... I know. Wow, thank God they're not Satan. Um, but I think, you know, but, but of course, you know, most people, by the time you finish the third book, you're obsessed with Jamie and you love him and his story and, and you know, he has thousands of readers and show watchers who are rooting for him to do the right thing in the right circumstance. Uh, and I want to talk more about Jamie later because he is complicated. Um, but, you know, I think part of that is, I, I agree, like part of it is like, oh, we can change too. This this character can change. There, there are hidden layers that we didn't see before. But I think part of it is also just like the shock of the thing, you know, that, that we want to see Darth Vader redeemed because for three movies he's been the evil bad guy, you know, and and we want to see Jamie redeemed because he pushed a kid out of a window, you know. See, uh, I, am, am I just the weird one out that I'm like, no, Vader should definitely die because he was a horrible person who killed a lot of babies. No, no, and no. Jamie I, literally pushed a child out the window. Like, you don't deserve redemption. You deserve death. Well, yeah, but the child yeah. was okay. Not. No, not he wasn't. Okay. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> He lived. <laughs> Being disabled is not okay when it's like forced on. No, I'm. I'm not gonna get into yeah. this. I'm anyway, he lived. He lived. So okay. <laughs> uh, All is forgiven. Uh, it's so, not. <laughs> uh, on the flip side, uh, we will talk about Jamie. But uh, on the flip side, what do you guys dislike about about redemption arcs? Because I, I know for me, again, it kind of just goes back to the passivity of it that I, I've been in fandoms, okay, I'll call it out, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fandom, <laughs> where there are some controversial characters and people are like, um, oh, give him a redemption arc. Like, he, he had pain in his past. Oh, yeah, like, I don't, I don't need Ward to be redeemed. It's okay. He can just be bad. He sucks. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I am obviously referring to, to Agent Ward out there. Um, but maybe, maybe <laughs> he rot in hell. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, so he, he, you know, for me, that's... I think it. they just want it because he's hot. Yes, but then they're also like, oh, he was abused, and it's like, that doesn't 
matter. It's not relevant to anything that he does nowadays. Use it. Yeah. No. I I spent a long time on Twi- on Tumblr. <laughs> oh, I that with this. like Magneto also. People, you know, really like to, you know, justify and try to like I don't know, whitewash everything, you know, that Magneto does and say that like, oh, you know, it's, you know, he's really, you know, he's a good guy. He's got a heart of gold or whatever, you know, and like, he still did some pretty terrible, awful things. And yeah, he's, he's not really going to learn his lesson. And yeah, he's still a jerk. And, you know, just because he's hot and, you know, you understand where he's coming from doesn't make him justified. Right, exactly. Uh, any other particular pet peeves about the about the uh, bad redemptions, and then we can kind of start diving in and picking apart our favorite and least favorite well, I can examples. We usually tend to kill off characters just after they've like redeemed themselves. That is annoying. It's You're like talking give about them, Sean know... Bean in every role except <laughs> <I don't>... Arc. <laughs> Every, you know, grand finale for a character arc is like, you know, they've, you know, they finally, you know, do the right thing and everything and then bam, they're dead. And it's like, you just didn't, you know, you just didn't want to continue having to deal with the fact that the character would have to be a different person now and you would have to write them differently and you would have to, you know, have them interact with everyone in a different way. You know, you just didn't you know, want to deal with all the ramifications of their change, so you just killed them. Yeah. Yep. That is true. It is an easy way out. Also, and kill women before giving them redemption arcs. (laughs) That's true. I mean, that's definitely worth talking about. I don't think that, uh, there are a lot of... There, well, there are definitely more, let's say, redemption arcs for guys than there are for... I feel like there are just more, you know, well, there are more roles for guys in general. So, like, statistically speaking, I feel like, you know, that just is a byproduct of it. Yeah, but can can you, I mean, I'm, like, off the top of my head, I can't really think of a classic redemption arc involving a female a character. Woman. Yeah. They tend to just start out awesome, and then they just, you know, stay on the side, like like Trinity or... No, Princess Leia. <laughs> but I mean my the show that that I was talking about before Drop Dead Diva, it's a you know, it's a big redemption story about, mm-hmm. you know, this shallow model coming to, you know, appreciate intellect and uh and learn, you know, from her past life life's mistakes. Um and yeah, and that's a refreshing thing because you don't see that so often. Mm-hmm. And I mean I don't watch the show, but um our listener and also friend, Esty, uh, Miss Esty P on Twitter suggested um, Regina Mills and the Evil Queen from oh, yes. Once Upon a Time. Yes. Yes. Uh, so she is given definitely many opportunities to redeem herself, which is nice because she is not killed off. Um, I mean, I think Regina's such a, I mean, I think that they've, like, literally killed this at the point, because, like, last I heard, I haven't watched the, like, latest season or the last two seasons, I guess, of the show, um, so spoilers, sort of, because I don't really know what's going on, but I think that they, like, kind of gave her a split personality so that they could go back to the evil queen trope, which is so annoying, but pretty much Regina is the evil queen from Snow White, and you, in the first season or two, pretty much explore why, how she ended up 
wanting to kill Snow White um, and why she hates her so much. And she is evil. Like, she's, like, torturing villagers to try to find Snow White and whatever. And she, she reaches does, into people's chests and rips and out, pulls their- out their hearts. So, <laughs> but, like, crushes oh, them cute. into dust. <laughs> so she never, she never really like. I don't think she necessarily undoes all the bad she's ever done, but she kind of recognizes the horror that she's done in one of the seasons. They they really do a full arc about her realizing how horrible she is, how it's affecting her relationships. To just kind of, it's a long story, but pretty much she's controlling the town because she hates Snow White. It's a really long story. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of recognizes that that's affecting who she is as a human being and how it's affecting her as a mother and it's affecting her as a woman. And, like, they don't do, like, a full, like, she's not going back and putting the crushed hearts back into people's bodies. Um, but she does eventually for, like, a minute or two become one of the heroes of the show. And then I guess she's now back to being evil. I don't really get it. Um, but they kind of always, it's less a redemption arc and more kind of showing how bad people have good moments. And they're, I think they're kind of using her as just, like, showing that redemption arcs are kind of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're, that's also a kind of a, a, a pet peeve for me sometimes with redemption arcs is that you know they they're constant writers like to constantly tease you know the the viewers or the readers or whatever with you know the possibility that this character could change and then never change the actual character or just use them in you know in convenient moments they're they're a wild card that like could go either way um so that depending on which way they want to write the episode they can do whichever they want i feel like um i don't know if either of you watched riverdale but there's a character named cheryl blossom who i felt like is the is total wild card you know and like you don't really know where she stands on pretty much anything she could do serve any function that the writers want in whatever episode they're in because you really have no idea where her where her motivations are coming from most of the time, and even when you do have a sense of where her motivation's coming from, sometimes she'll just, you know, do something completely counter to that anyway, you know? So, yeah, so those kinds of redemption arcs bother me, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that's a trope that writers rely on, that, like, they're allowed that margin of inconsistency, uh, because they need it (laughs) i mean han solo was a little bit like that you know and and like you kind of pretend that you don't know what he's gonna do even though you kind of do um but uh do you guys want to go into examples now because i think we're we're pretty much there yeah Yeah. (laughs) well so i do want to i do want to say jamie lannister um and i struggle with this a lot and i think because he doesn't deserve it that's true. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it has to do with, with the writing. I think that, you know, Jamie Lannister is written in a very compelling way uh, that you kind of realize that he's not quite as awful as you thought he was, even though he had done those things. Um, but I struggle with it because I think Jamie does go under a, a... He does part of the, I guess, atonement formula. You know, he does kind of um, realize that his, his former alliances were... Uh, let's say negative <laughs> and uh, he was on a, a bad path in his life and you know he does experience the loss of his right hand which is his sword hand which does um, 
spark that kind of change. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong for like a character to suffer and then be have their eyes open to certain things. Like I I I don't dislike that as a um, as a trope myself. But Jamie definitely doesn't do the like actual like atonement part. Like he really never feels bad about shoving a kid out a window or killing Ned's men or, hmm. you know. I think Jamie, I wouldn't necessarily call him a redemption arc. I would, I would say that some of his actions move him from, he definitely has like development, but he and Cersei are such foils that like everything they do is selfish to some degree, but at a certain point, Cersei's actions are just about her and him and their family and his start off that way. And then he starts seeing like that there's other things in the world. Like, he doesn't kill people at a certain point because he realizes that maybe killing them isn't the nicest thing to do. And like he kind of undergoes, it's not, it's less redemption and more a development. I don't think he's necessarily redeemed himself because like he'd have to do a hell of a lot to redeem himself in my eyes just because, just because he has plot development. I don't think that's a redemption arc. Fair he enough. hasn't done any. He hasn't done anything to redeem himself. All he's done has become less selfish. Well, I mean, he's become and more understanding. He's become more good. I mean, like he's he's objectively done things that you know pre behanding Jamie would would never do, and a lot of that is due to Brienne's influence. Whether or not you think that's you know fair, fair or enough. not, <laughs> but I agree with that. But that's also like, oh, okay, he had to literally lose part of his body to. Re- to become a better person. I don't think that's a redemption arc. Sure, but I think that's also, part of that is, like, societal. You know, that that with Jamie, part of the issue is that he is in a society that, you know, regardless of his status as, you know, Kingslayer, uh, which, ironically, you know, the the great irony of Jamie is that, like, that one bad thing that he allegedly did, he doesn't need to atone for. It's all the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, Well, I mean, if you look at it, you know, just, like, I don't know, just mida connected mida quid pro quo, the fact that he ends up, you know, with this severe disability in, you know, a society that values being able to to fight and, you know, is kind of, you know, payback for having disabled a child. Um, and, like, arguably without, you know, him having suffered that kind of a thing, he would never have a chance to be in any way redeemed I think right. because and you it's, know it's like you can apologize but like you've never really you know you don't know what it is that you put the other person through and you can't possibly apologize for something that you don't really understand. Right. I mean of course he thinks that Brian is dead now. So <laughs> that might be part well, of the yeah, reason sure why he, he won't does... forever. I'm sure uh, that all the paths will intersect. The pads have to intersect at some point. Right. Uh, Bran's kind of moving in one direction, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I don't know. I'm, I'm like, five seasons behind, so I don't oh. know. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm really talking about the books because they 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 thoroughly borked up Jamie's redemption arc in the in the show. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, anyway, I, I mean, again, Jamie is complicated because he, he does lack a lot of those elements, but I think but what... I, I just want to interrupt SM's point about it being a redemption arc for the world. I can kind of get into that a little bit more. Yeah, it's definitely very circumstantial. And I think the, ch- the change, I think, is so drastic. Um, that, to me, is is part of what, like, makes it qualified as a, as a redemption arc. Because it's not like he loses his hand and is just like, oh, I'm sad. I'm depressed. I lo- lost my hand. You know, I'm 
useless now. Like, he, his personality, his point of view, you know, we see him before and we see him after, and there's a very distinct change uh, in his values and, and his behavior, um, even though, obviously, he, he struggles along the way, but, you know, it would be a good story if he didn't do that. Um, so I guess that's this why... This is reminding me of a different character who lost his hand. Um, Luke Skywalker. Do you remember, <laughs> um, what's his name? Um, Lindsay on Angel. I don't know if you oh guys have watched. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so Blast from the Past. Yeah, so I never really was, was into that. He was an evil lawyer. He worked for an evil, evil law firm that was like literally run by demons. Um, and then over the course of the show among other things he loses his hand um and but he you know he he le ends up leaving the law firm but he doesn't become a good guy just because he leaves the law firm you know and like it's a whole long um circuitous uh path and he doesn't end up being redeemed necessarily in the end he ends up you know sometimes helping the good guys um, but the show does not, like, wipe his slate clean and does not, like, accept that, like, oh, just because he helped the good guys doesn't mean that he's a good guy now. Well, um, Faith is and... like that, too. Faith is yeah, like sometimes. that. But Faith, I, I feel like Faith actually does become a good character. Like, she very much kind of yeah. hits rock bottom, and then, obviously, she's still snarky and mean and will do questionable things that like Buffy won't do but I think she definitely shifts to the side of the angels yeah, and like wants to be Angel. there yeah. yeah on the the way that they had you know those characters interact because Angel is all about atonement and redemption and he's trying to make up for all the terrible things he did when he was a soulless vampire um yeah I like Angel as we all do really more like more than I like Spike's I was about to say, oh. Spike's redemption, when you compare it to Angel's, like, Angel, to some degree, didn't need redemption because, well, not didn't need. But the majority of what he did that was bad, essentially, as you're saying, he's a different person with his soul. Spike, whereas we know him the most of the time, he doesn't have his soul, and then magically he has his soul, and he's not magically a good person like Angel is, which I kind of get annoyed about. Like, either a soul makes you better or not, like... Angel's well, the thing is, Spike, Spike became better without his soul. Like, that's right. like his whole... He did, but then he attempted to rape Buffy and... I actually... I realize that that is technically canon, however, it is so nonsensical and awful. But it happened, I... okay? Sure, I just don't... Like, pretend it didn't happen. I, here's what I do. I basically, like, I... I skip that scene. I skip that, yeah, I skip that scene and then, like, a bunch after it. And then, like, and then... Uh, like so pretty much any episode with a Buffy bot or when she tries <laughs> to... I actually love the Buffy bot, but uh. I mean, that's kind of the genius of Buffy in my opinion. Like it can do the dumbest stuff that sounds like un <laughs> unbearably stupid on paper and then just pull it off with like unbelievable glory. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think Spike is interesting also because he, he sort of, he's also sort of like forced down the road to atonement in that like he had no intention of of being a good guy he was perfectly happy being his you know blood drinking debauched yeah a happy happy go lucky vampire self and then he has that chip inserted in his head and his behavior is forced away and that that behavior change uh eventually works its way into his moral compass to the point where buffy 
is comfortable taking the chip out. So, I mean, it's been a while since I watched Buffy, but I think that's that's how it goes. I think they had to take it out because it was killing him. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. But Buffy was was vouching for that, um, and she was in a relationship with him for season six until he tried. She was in a really yes bad until he tried to rape her. Okay. Yes, he, yeah, but their relationship I would not hold up as any kind of like. No, 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 no. I'm I'm not saying it was good. I'm saying that Buffy was comfortable with it. That's that's what I joke forever. Yeah, but Buffy's judgment was all screwed up. Sure, sure, but I'm saying it's a mark of like the again the yeah. amount of change in his behavior. Changed at that point, but like how much had he changed is different. Yeah. yeah. Up for debate. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? <laughs> um, I want to talk. Uh, do, I don't know if either of you watch Doctor Who, but I want to talk about the Doctor quickly. Uh, I'll try not to be too spoilery because I feel like even though Doctor Who has been on for several seasons now, in this era, like people still are like catching up a lot of the time. So um, skip forward a little bit just, if you don't want to hear me. I watching Aldi, so. Unless it's, you know, uh, very no, um, <laughs> It's not very Capaldi-related. You saw okay. you saw the episode with the War Doctor? Yes. Okay, so yes, the War Doctor is really who I want to talk about. So pretty much the the new series reboot comes begins with uh, Christopher Eccleston's Doctor, who's my favorite Doctor, because he's... I'm I not going to get it. I'm not going to get into why he's my favorite Doctor, but anyway, the whole thing is that the Doctor doesn't he has kill... And it's the best years. The doctor doesn't kill, and a lot of what his actions are are because he. You find out that he literally killed two races, including his own, to stop a time war, which is a huge war between the Daleks and um, the Time Lords, who are the doctor's people. So he has this burden of killing two peoples, and that's why he doesn't want to kill anyone. The doctor's whole thing is he doesn't kill, and like. Just because he doesn't kill, that doesn't mean anybody else doesn't kill. So, like, there's a an episode, um, it's, like, a very famous arc where pretty much the finale is that everybody lives. And, like, every time I watch it since I first saw it, I, like, ball my eyes out. Because, you're because like, you la not later, but, like, you find out that the Doctor is bearing the guilt that he's to end this horrific war that would destroy the universe. He destroyed his own people and their enemy. And, like, that's a lot of... A lot of people, because even if they're your enemy, he still is always hoping every time he encounters the Daleks, who are, like, the Doctor's main enemy throughout the series. Somehow there's always a Dalek that got through the Time War, whatever, long story. Oh my god, they're so annoying. <laughs> well, anyway, so, like, every time he encounters one, he's hoping that he can find some good in them, because that means, A, that, like, the Daleks who he destroyed aren't innately bad, but also that maybe he could go back and kind of save them all. But, like, you don't really get that from one episode that's just like throughout it that like you think everybody knows that the doctor is the hero who will come and save the day but at the same time he's this guy who literally destroyed two people so there's always this like potential of the doctor that we know who will <laughs> essentially kill you if he thinks that you're that much of a threat and hopefully you're never that much of a threat that the doctor will do that and that's always kind of the threat of the doctor like at one point literally they they lock Matthew, um, Matt Smith's doctor in a box because they're just like, he's too dangerous. <laughs> like, he's a danger to the universe. Um, and there's always this potential of the doctor who, to Earth, he's their savior, and he, to humans, he's, like, the ultimate do-gooder. But to the rest of the universe, he's the guy who will the universe if he thinks that there's a threat that needs to be essentially 
like put down. He's like the veterinarian, not the doctor for the whole universe. Um, but then you find out in a later season, after all this time where you see the doctor, the doctor literally struggles with himself because he's destroyed so many, he's destroyed two peoples to end this horrific war and to save the universe. Like he's always struggling, never to let people die. He's never, he never wants to see anything, any race come to an end. And there's a lot of races coming to the end of Doctor Who. Um, and he's always struggling. It's like, always struggling. I feel like Eccleston to, was the only only actor who portrayed him that I felt had as the gravitas to, uh, like, really carry Capaldi that weight. did. Capaldi did, too, but at that point, the Matt Smith thing had happened. But, like, I think, like, Capal- uh, Christopher Eccleston, really, it was on him. And then, like, Tennant and Matt Smith, like, they were kind of, like, it was under their skin, but it was never something that, like, was their ticking modus operandi as as the Doctor. But it was always something there, like, the, this consciousness that he has done really horrible things yeah. to save the universe. Um, and he's never, as Eccleston particularly, he never, like, forgives himself for it. But he's very happy when he doesn't have to do the exact same thing over. So it's less, maybe it's not as much redemption as it is coming to terms with himself and that he's he feels that all the good he does in the future atones for his past of being someone who like ends this horrific war, which is why huge 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 spoiler here. Michal, if you ever want to watch, cover your ears. Um, huge <laughs> spoiler here, which is why when they had the anniversary episode where they brought Christopher uh, when they brought sorry they brought all the doctors back to some degree, whatever, um, you find out that in between Christopher Eccleston's doctor, the the new one in the new series, and the last series doctor, there was another doctor called the War Doctor who hid from his next successor in the doctor regeneration cycle that he actually saved the Time Lords. And I, I think, guess also the Daleks, they never, did they ever address that? I don't remember. So anyway, remember. you find out that exactly what I love about the doctor and how he's always trying trying to like save people to make up for this I guess mistake or not mistake but the the good that he did that was horrible uh, to make up for that wasn't really a thing so that's what I really hate about the doctor and after that I can understand why people didn't want to watch Capaldi but I think Capaldi brings a different sense of gravitas to it and they don't really address that a lot like the war doctor thing they're just kind of like oh yeah the time lords are back they're not dead. He didn't actually kill them. They were hidden in a painting, sort of. It's confusing. In a pocket universe, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, so I didn't love that, but I think that I really appreciated that he was one of those characters who, like, he was never a bad person, but he had to do something horrible, and he was always trying to atone for it. So, um, I'm, I mean, that's interesting to me, because that wouldn't be a redemption arc at all, in my opinion, because in in... You know, the way I conceive of a redemption arc is that you have to have a character who uh, who didn't believe that what they were doing was wrong. You know, mm-hmm. like if you go into... Didn't. Like Eleanor on The Good Place. Right. <laughs> Segway. Right, exactly. <laughs> or just a character who, you, who uh, doesn't have a problem with the things that they're doing. You know, and with the bad oh, things. Oh, because, because he has the conscience? You don't think he needs to atone? I think he does. I mean... I I don't know. I, I don't know if I would call it that. I mean, I, I would call it certainly a very compelling kind of arc, but I don't know if I would personally call it a redemption arc myself. I would, because he's so sad when he has to kill people, and then he, <laughs> he has to redeem <laughs> himself to yes. himself. Yes. 
it's less about what other people think and more what he thinks. So maybe it's like right, like, sure. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm going back to Jamie for a second and just being like, well, I don't like like what we said. Jamie doesn't have to redeem himself for killing the Mad King because even though his entire society shuns him for it, that was the right thing to do. Uh, he does have to. Oh, he has to redeem himself for kill for trying to kill Bran. Right, which he didn't have any problem with while he was doing it. That's so stupid, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys want to talk about Eleanor Shellstrap? Yes! Okay, fake but Eleanor. Can. No, real Eleanor, just fake Eleanor. <laughs> I actually really like fake Eleanor, <laughs> or real <laughs> Eleanor, because she uh, does a, is a voice actress on a show I watch, and uh, I just she like that actress, I think gossip? she's very funny. Oh, I was thinking of Christian Bell, and I was like, Gossip Girl? Oh, uh, <laughs> So somebody talk about Eleanor. Oh, well, Eleanor is the main character on The Good Place. It was a terrible human being, and you get to see all these flashbacks of how terrible she was, and it doesn't gloss over anything, really. It's just very upfront about how awful and, and, and horrible and, you know, completely callous she was. Can um, I interrupt? Because I, sure. I think that, like, they kind of hide it at the beginning like you think okay she's just not as good as everyone else in the good place but then you find out that she's really like a like a trashy she's actively bad she's she's not bad she's just not a a person who you'd want to be friends with she hasn't killed anyone she's just ruined their lives with the t-shirt yeah Yeah. the t-shirts and she was just like they show in like a million little ways you know all the different you know things that she did you know well I'm sure there's many more that they haven't yet gotten to, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of those, too. But, um, just like, oh, this just reminded me of a show that I haven't watched in a long time called Samantha Who, where the character, um, is in a, is in an accident in the very beginning and loses her memory and wakes up and then, um, is trying to, you know, figure out and put together her life and, then it turns out that her old former self was a terrible, terrible person and alienated everybody in her life and was just horrible. And you get all these flashbacks to, you know, all the terrible, you know, ways she treated people. Um, and it's about her trying to, you know, and like now she has a conscience because she woke up with a, like a complete clean slate and, you know, she's a totally different personality. Um, but yeah that's a different redemption arc and I'm not going to get into that now. Um, I think there's a but, Harrison Ford movie with the exact same plot. actually. Yeah. Samantha who was really funny. It was Christina Applegate. Um, and I, I do recommend that. But also back to Eleanor. Um, so you get to see in like little ways how, you know, how awful she was and like why you would never ever want to, you know, be friends with this person or interact with this person in any way because she just made every interaction just unpleasant. Um, and then she, it's the whole show is about how she ends up in the good place and she's, as a case of mistaken identity, she's been put there instead of a different Eleanor Shellstrop and she wants to not get caught and so she's like, okay, I gotta learn how to be good. And she starts doing it for extremely selfish reasons, and then gradually she comes to, you know, really appreciate uh, the good people that are around her, and um, the value of good, of being good and decent, and actually starts to really change. And 
no more spoilers after that. Um, but it gets to be it gets to be you know a really interesting character study about you know what makes a good person and what um, and what being good you know for the right reasons means and you know can you be good for the wrong reasons and why people do the things they do um, and yeah so I think also she's literally she's literally taught morals so she like consciously knows what is right and what is wrong and then you see that like even if you know consciously what is right and wrong you still need to feel it and I think that's really an important thing that the show has kind of emphasized to some degree yeah yeah I mean that that honestly one of my favorite things about the good place is how self-aware the show is of the redemption arc trope you know and like I think it handles it in a very interesting way because it's deliberately taking Eleanor through those steps and Eleanor is aware that she's going through the you know most most characters uh, aren't like, well, I'm going through my redemption arc now, you know, whereas Eleanor Shellstrap is, in fact, doing that. Well, Spike is, just going back to that, Spike kind of is aware that he, like, if he wants to be with Buffy, he needs to get better, so he tries to take action. Yes, that's true. Just another one that we mentioned already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy that, although I will admit that Eleanor is so cartoonishly bad while she's alive. <laughs> That, like, it, it it does, it limits a certain amount of my, like, uh, feeling toward it. Not not in terms of, like, it's it's a great show. I highly recommend it. Um, but in terms of, like, the redemption arc, I'm kind of like, well, you know. It's, It'd be it's, nice if it was a little bit more realistic. Yeah, I mean, if, but if it were more realistic, I don't know how much we would root for her in, the, in a it comedy. It wouldn't be nearly as entertaining if she wasn't so cartoonish. I don't different. know. Like... Some of the things they have her doing, like, part of me is just like, okay, but nobody's, like, that ridiculously bad. So, like, I guess could to keep the sitcom-y elements of the really, really serious show about heaven and hell, um, like, that's good, I guess. But at the same time, I think someone like Tahani, like, is a lot easier for me to understand. I love Tahani. She's my favorite character. I love Tahani. I, I love all the I, characters. <laughs> I, I'll try not to get spoilery, but I think Tahani, who is a little bit like you can understand what makes her tick more Tahani when is, she is does. Eleanor's neighbor in the Good Place, yes. and she is obnoxiously um, not, good. Not Tahini, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think Tahani, who like you, like you said, she's obnoxiously good. Like there's a reason why she's obnoxiously good, and like you kind of, I think they did a better job showing her what made her tick and what made her upset a lot better. It was, it was also very like cartoonish, but it, it made me kind of understand certain aspects of her more. Well, Eleanor, you're just supposed to be like, okay, well she had a crappy life. So she made everyone else's lives crappy. Well, Tahani was always trying to prove that she was good because she had been told her entire life by her parents that she wasn't. So like what made her tick was something very kind of rational. Well, Eleanor was just, I had a, I mean, like, not, not rational, but, like, it just felt like she was, like, ridiculous for the sake of ridiculousness sometimes with her character, with her life on Earth, and I didn't necessarily feel the same. Like, Tahani, Tahani's ridiculous for a lot of reasons, but I didn't think that her, the reasons she did think was ridiculous, while Eleanor's just like, I'm bad because I'm bad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, so somebody else I wanted to bring up is, uh, of course, of course, of course, Prince Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. Of course. Yeah. Zuko. <laughs> oh, Zuko. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing about Zuko is... Just wants his honor. He does just want his honor. He's very much dependent on his, um... Oh, gosh. Uncle? Like, his what? His uncle. His uncle. <laughs> he is very much dependent on, on Uncle Iroh to kind of guide him toward the path of, of light. But he's also a character whose badness definitely does come from his upbringing and his horrible experiences. Like, I, you know, I, I think Avatar as a show really gains its engine once you, once you understand why Zuko is the way he is. And why he's ranting about honor and all of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's a really solid redemption arc in that, um, I mean, if you haven't seen Avatar The Last Airbender, then what are you doing? Go watch it immediately. It took me a, <laughs> on a Amazon lot. Prime. I watched it really late, so I'm just saying, I think if you, if you're, if you're, if even if you think you're not interested in it, because I didn't think I was interested in it, go watch it. Um, I, I am not as enthralled as a lot of my friends are because I don't, I'm not particularly into cartoons and anime just like as a person, but I did really appreciate a lot of the morals behind the show. I didn't watch the second season though. I didn't feel compelled to. So you mean kidding. the second Wait. series? Yeah. Korra? Oh, yeah. oh, I love Korra, but, but that's a different So story. I feel like I'll watch it one time if I'm like really, 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 really bored, but that hasn't happened lately. Yeah. Uh, Korra, <laughs> Korra's not really a redemption arc story. It's, I mean, it's a personal redemption in a way, but it's not in, in the way we're discussing. Um, but Zuko is definitely a character who, I guess, would be the stereotypical, like, person who suffered, and then, like, this is why they're they're bad, and, you know, but, but with Zuko, it's kind of not, like, they are, he is bad, <laughs> but he's also, like, very much a product of his particular environment, and... What's so appealing to me about Zuko is that he 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 doesn't get it for a really long time. <laughs> he just wants to be loved. He just wants to be accepted. Yeah, and he he doesn't he falls he fails you know. Uh, you think killing times. people will make them like you, but it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know the show does a really good job of of kind of be. I mean, it's a very it's a delightfully self aware series, but it does a really good job of of taking advantage of that. And when Zuko does have his enlightenment, he is aware that he's having an enlightenment. Like, I think he has a couple of, of moments where he's like, oh, man, I was such a jerk. Like, I was such a bad guy. And he does his apologies. He does his shuva. And he, you know, he really does follow that, that arc, not cleanly necessarily, but, but very satisfactorily. Um I don't know. What do you guys think about Zuko? I love him so much. I love him so much. And I still, <laughs> I still ship Zutara, darn it. I still kind I, I kind of ship Zutara. Like, I've always, like, really wanted them to at least, you know, explore that and feel, felt like, you know, if it were a, a more grown-up show, they would have. But, um, but I'm happy that he ended up happy with, you know, somebody who was very good for him. Yeah, I do. I do um, love May. She's one of my favorite characters too. May's so, so cute. Yeah, They're so it. it's such a good couple. I There's love the it. prince and princess of darkness. They're so great. <laughs> what is it? Like, There's a line like, "Oh, I hate, I hate the sunset. It's so colorful." <laughs> like, 
I think I think that's kind of actually like the uh, a funny point about Zuko is that like even though his morals might change, his essence doesn't because he's he's pretty warped. Um, which I mean, like, sounds really bad and everything, but I think that was kind of actually realistic. Like, you can't even if you change what you think, you you're not changing who you are always. Like that follows, but like he's still. You know, he was still grumpy and still pessimistic just because he now Part recognized good from bad. Yeah, yeah, like, they didn't undo it all. And, like, hopefully once he's a little bit less, like, bad, he'll start Hormonal. thinking a little bit more positively. Well, he, he, he showed up at one point in Korra. He was very mm-hmm. old. Oh. Yeah, he's pretty chill at that point. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like he'll become Iroh Jr. when he's older. But I also feel like Iroh probably growing up also had a lot of, like, Turmoil. I want to know what Iroh was like when he was like a kid. <laughs> that should be the next series. Well, he was oh he was the it. dragon of the West. He was fighting. He was you know. Right. I mean, Iroh really actually. Now that I think of it, kind of does very 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 subtly undergo his own kind of redemption arc. Uh, we're not we're not treated to a lot of the backstory. Um, we just kind of get the broad outlines of who it he used of to took be. Place before before the show. Yeah, like, you know. But everything that Iroh does is sort of part of his... Um, well, isn't he trying yeah. to help Zuko in his redemption arc because it's part of his redemption arc? Yeah, I mean, I think so. his actions pretty much led to Zuko being Zuko. Um, Not of. like his direct ones, but the way that the world is now is partially yes. his fault. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and his, uh, you know... I I don't want to I don't want to spoil it because it's such a beautiful little story, but um, it's it's definitely deep within the Avatar lore. And man, if oh if they went back and did like a a an Ozai and Iroh like childhood into marriage story, oh my god, I would I, would oh, I don't want to see Ozai. I like already hate him enough. If they give him feelings, <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, oh, this sucks. Well, I mean, they didn't give Azula that many feelings, and she's still a great no, character. Azula was amazing. Azula was psychotic. Azula was psychotic. Favorite, I mean, talk no, about a character who episode, doesn't get a redemption arc. Like, well, my favorite episode with Azula was like, what, what was it? Like the beach house where beach. like there's a party, there's like a party, and you see her attempting to like socialize like a normal human, and she's just so bad at it. She's just terrifying. <laughs> she's <laughs> so... She just scares everyone away. Oh. Uh, yeah, so uh, so that's that's terrific as well. Um, I mean, like now that I'm like I'm thinking of so many more. I'm like thinking of Gollum. I'm thinking of like, just, you know, Regulus. Poor Regulus Black. <laughs> oh, Regulus, Regulus. But we don't have. That's like a redemption arc that happens totally, totally out awesome. of. In our minds, absolutely, our yeah. Mind. But it's it's so compelling. Like, there's something so fantastic. compelling about that. Um, Wait, because we're talking about Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Are we going to talk about how people think Snape is a redemption arc oh, and how honestly wrong? Sure, let's go for it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We've only been recording uh, for an hour and 15 minutes. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Another hour and 15 minutes as if I don't I like the, the Harry Potter musical uh, portrayal of Snape where, like, you know, Snape sometimes, you know, is helpful, but he's also super-duper creepy. Um, and, like, you know, he shows Harry, look, I have this picture of your mother. And Harry's like, oh, that's so nice, Professor. Thank you for showing me. Can I keep this? He's like, no, it's going back under my pillow where it belongs. 
And uh, like that is that is perfect Snape. <laughs> I mean, my problem with Snape. Um, and, and I think we definitely are going to assume that everybody knows what Who's happens Snape to is? Snape, who Snape is, why he does what he does, um, is that his reasons for doing the good things that he does are still terrible. They're terrible reasons. And he never accepts that and understands that and brings it into his life. It just makes him do even, like, I guess, I guess on a scale, less bad things, but still really bad things. He tortures Neville. That's not Okay. You're a teacher. No, honestly, I know. Reconsider your life choices. I know I said Snape, but if we're going to talk about anybody who's redemptive to some degree whatsoever, um, I want to talk about Narcissa. Ah, she's very interesting. Because I think she's such a off, she's not a main player ever. Like, if you're going to talk about any of the sisters, it would be Bellatrix, who whatever she is, whatever. Um, but Narcissa... Is she's kind of like Jamie in that everything she does is selfish on behalf of her family. Like, yeah, she's she's bitchy and spiteful and evil, but like, and I'm sure she's mudblood hater to the core. But at the same time, like, she does do certain things that are remotely good towards other people. Like, she's not just about like like Snape. Everything he's doing towards Harry is because of his creepy obsession and like Narcissa I feel like doesn't have that like you can understand her as a human being and when she does lie to to Voldemort essentially that Harry's not dead you can understand that like yeah she's Harry not doing it yeah no she tells she says him... that he she tells him that oh, he yeah, is sorry. dead she tells she tells him that he's dead sorry i meant that that Harry spoilers yeah. <laughs> oh god <laughs> killed Dumbledore, okay? Um, expired. But, um, the statute of limitations has officially expired. Yes, true canon is over. Um, but just, like, I feel like she doesn't go undergo redemption as much as, like, to some degree. Like, Harry does feel that she's atoned because she had that opportunity and she didn't take it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a big part of, like, the Jewish concept of atonement is being put in the same situation and making a different choice. Um, and you see that in the story with um, with uh, Yehuda and Yosef. And when, you know, Yehuda originally sold Yosef to Egypt um, because he was jealous of him. And then uh, later on, uh, Yosef takes Binyamin to see how the brothers will handle that and whether they will just let another brother be taken into slavery in Egypt. Um, and Yehuda stands up this time and refuses to allow it to happen. Um, and so that concept of, you know, being put in a situation and proving yourself um, is key in, like, definitely the Jewish concept of redemption as I learned it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually a really good point and something that I totally forgot to mention because it is actually something, like, very much how I consider redemption as well. Um, I, I mean, my my opinion is, like, basically the litmus test is, sim- is like that. You have to be, even if you aren't in the exact situation, you have to be the t- become the type of person who, if you were back in that situation, like if Jamie were back in that tower and Bran had discovered them, would not do the bad things that you had done in for the like in round one, you know. Maybe if Brienne was behind him, he would. <laughs> but I do think I do think 
that Snape never gets redeemed because he would probably do the exact same thing if he thought he'd end up. Absolutely, I totally agree. As would as would um, Anakin. Like realizing that Luke is your son and you still have good in you, does not uh, by any stretch of the imagination make him go like, oh, well then I never would have gone crazy down this dark path and killed children, killed children and wiped out the Jedi. Young like, like, younglings. Younglings. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there are no children in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Are there any other redemption arcs that we? don't really didn't yeah, really discuss I like i kind of wanted to say how like gilmore girls is like the anti-redemption arc because they just keep making the same mistakes and getting worse and worse and worse yeah but emily except for emily who sort of learns what well, sort of she does learn she learns that love is better than money and social standing <laughs> <laughs> so she's an, an austin character <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, that's, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm sure there are more, and the second we hang up, I'm gonna think of a lot more. Um, I do want to share some of what, uh, our, uh, awesome listeners said on Twitter. Um, as we said, SD mentioned Regina Mills, uh, Sophie Katz, uh, who has a very cute, uh, handle, it's at Story Katz, uh, said, um, Perdido? Perdidot? Perry. Yep. I'm gonna call her yeah. Perry from Steven Universe, uh, which is a show that I have not watched, but everybody I, who I know tells me to watch. Have you guys seen Steven Universe? No, but I've heard good. many things. Not specific, but just general good things. Yeah. Um, Mia Steinberg uh, told Azuko, obviously, hands down, uh, as did my friend Zach. Um, Jacob Goldberg said Darth Vader Anakin Skywalker. By the way, if you want to write us an impassioned Defense, defense of your <laughs> <laughs> go ahead or if you disagree with anything that we've mentioned if you really think that snape became a good guy in the end then let us know uh we're not gonna You're agree wrong. with you but <laughs> but we'd like to Feel hear free your to rant at us on twitter very publicly so that we get more exposure <laughs> um and sam poppins as i mentioned said uh spike from buffy the vampire slayer and i'm sure there are so many more so definitely please keep this conversation going because uh, I think we kind of have to wrap it up because we've been going for a long time. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely not beyond, um, uh, or opposed to, uh, bringing this back up again. If people want to, you know, tell us more characters we should look into or maybe suggest stories that we should explore in this context. Uh, it's really oh, interesting. There's so much. I, I haven't watched it. But I know that the, I think the Ice King from Adventure Time is supposed to be a big one that people like. Mm. The Redemption Arc book. I don't watch Adventure Time. I know, but people really like it. Okay, (laughs) never mind. Uh, Awesome. Um, If you've seen Adventure Time, let us know. Um, But not Ward uh, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He he does not have a Redemption Arc. Does not deserve a Redemption Arc. I mean, you can read it it. on Twitter, but, but no. But I, I'm I'm just I'm not gonna be polite because you're definitionally wrong at this point. Okay. No, anyway, <laughs> he's, he's just a bed. The end. Ah, oh, hashtag things that are too close to my heart. Uh, all right. 
So if you, um, of course, we, when this episode comes out, we're going to be really just a couple days away from our super exciting panel at New York Comic Con. So if you are going to be at New York Comic Con, please, please, please make the time and come see us. We will be in room 1B03 at 2.30 on Thursday. Nope. On Sunday. Why did I say that? On Sunday. We're definitely not going to be there on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> we will, I mean, maybe we'll try and like hang around after, like around the room, just so that people can, you know, if, also, if you want to come late to the panel, that's also totally fine. I know Mark just Hamill is signing. Just come to the panel. Yeah. Or, just I mean, show yeah. up. We have a room that's going to seat 125 and we, people. And we, we might we have some like goodies. To, like, at least fill, you know, a third of it. <laughs> I feel Please like we come. should we should edit down some like subliminal mes- messaging through this whole episode, just like come to room B one B O three, come to room one B O three, like just do that through the whole episode. Uh, but yeah, so please, please do come to that. If you can't make it to New York Comic Con, we are working on um, some things so that people will be able to participate in the episode either at the time or after. You can also send us questions uh, or stuff on Twitter. Uh, or Facebook, we would love to share your questions during the panel. If you can't be there, we're definitely having a segment that hopefully uh, we will be able to address fan questions that we have received online. Anyway, um, Tamar, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamar Writes. You can also find the majority of my rating at Billboard.com. And SM? Um, You can find me on Facebook and you can find my fiction on my Amazon author page. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ink as Rain, and you can find my writing at Hypable.com. For us nice Jewish fangirls, you can find us on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls. You can email us at NiceJewishFangirls at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at NiceJewishFangirls and on Instagram under the same thing. Basically just Google Nice Jewish Fangirls and you'll find us. Also, please do leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you have a chance. Uh, We haven't gotten one in a really long time, so you're definitely going to make our day if you do that. Nice New Year's gift, right? I mean, yes. I think that's a great idea. New Year's gift. If it also helps, it's my birthday this month and I'd appreciate a review for my birthday. Yes. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Also, my birthday is coming up next month, so. So don't waste it. Yes, next month. Uh, that is it for Nice Jewish Fangirls. If you are celebrating Jewish holidays, we hope you ha- are having a wonderful, um, spiritual, and meaningful new year. And uh, we will speak Mar- to you Fatima soon. Tova and Shana Tova. Yes, exactly. Um, I, was, I always get those mixed up, like which what you're I, supposed to say when. It you get the point that this me. episode will be posted. It will have passed. Mm-hmm. Well... Well, yeah, you have well, our sense. Well, the Gamarkantimatova will still be relevant, but the <laughs> yeah. Shanatova. You um. Do you not say Shanatova to people you see between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur? Because I definitely do. Oh well, I yeah. don't really anymore. <laughs> anyway, that's it for us. Live long and prosper, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>